0: Amen, amen. This morning is a different kind of sermon, and I hope that that will be just fine with you. Uh, As we conclude our time in Genesis, uh, we're going to be doing a a brief overview of some themes. And so I'm I'm looking at three specific themes and tracing through the story of Genesis, and that's creation, covenant, and continuation. Creation, covenant, and continuation. That will be kind of the road markers as we work our way through a reminder, an overview of God's message to us through His author Moses of what Genesis is in our Scripture to do. And I, I want to start again in a, in a more, uh, in a different way than normal. In that, I want to ask you um, what have you learned in our study in Genesis? Maybe something that stands out that perhaps you didn't know beforehand, or maybe something that the Lord just used um, to maybe reconvey a message that perhaps you'd forgotten. If you would be so bold, you won't be picked up in the live stream. I can guarantee you that. But what would be uh, some things that in our time in Genesis, the Lord has taught you and instructed you in His Word? His love abounds. His love abounds absolutely and we'll get into some of that in our overview absolutely god's love for his creatures abounds what else yeah there's no limit to what he will forgive which goes into kind of what i was thinking and that the people God calls towards the end of Genesis, they're messed up. They are not the cream of the crop, so to speak. They are not, as my ESPN app reminded me, they are not getting multi-hundred million dollar deals. These are scrubs in the eyes of man. And that brings me great comfort, and I hope it brings you great comfort too. What else? Maybe something the Lord taught you in our time in Genesis. God is present even in the suffering. God is present even in suffering, absolutely. Even in family betrayal. Still wins. Hmm. Even in family betrayal. We've seen that a couple of times in Genesis, haven't we? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ooh, don't start. Don't start with that. It's all in God's time, not ours. Because I'm sure Joseph would have preferred Genesis 37, Genesis 39, not to have happened. Mm, That's good. Well, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged in the way that the Lord has used this in looking at where we were at in the church calendar and looking back at the sermons in Genesis. This is our 50th sermon in Genesis from the time that we started, I believe in November of 2021. And so 50 chapters, 50 sermons, however many months with some breaks in between, uh, the Lord has used... His word, And I'm encouraged by the way that He's used it in your life. So this morning, as we look at creation, covenant, and continuation through the, the narrative of Genesis, I want us to really be looking at uh, how God then uses His people today. That just as Adam and Eve were formed by Him to follow Him by faith, glorifying Him by rightly imaging Him in the world... That is what we are called to do as well. That there is that continuation onto us, His church, His new covenant people, and to ultimately be able to see just as our first parents, Adam and Eve, wrongly and sinfully imaged their and sought after their sin and wrongly imaged their Creator, so too do we. So too do we imperfectly, in our failures, in our mess-ups, but not just in our failures and our mess-ups, but in our sin, our sin. We also image God in a wrong way. And so what do we do? We look to Him. We look to Jesus, the only one who perfectly kept the law, sinless, in every way, and so we look to Him, the One who was promised even in the beginning, even before the beginning. Creation, our first point, creation. The Scripture opens within the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Creation formed out of nothing. I'll briefly talk about some of the theological implications that we see in Genesis because there's so much being created in God's image, uh, creation just in general of how God does these things, the introduction of our God, a basic understanding of theology. And we just, we just don't have the time. But in the beginning, God created from nothing. And we see that in these five days of creation, He creates different things to bless His people to fill his creation. And on the sixth day, he creates in his image the pinnacle of creation, he creates Adam. Look with me at Genesis 1. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know, everything that we just created Man is going to have dominion to rule and to reign. Verse 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves On the earth, God gave our first father, Adam, dominion over all things, being an image bearer to go and to glorify God on earth by rightly imaging him in the world, by rightly subduing, by rightly multiplying And God gives this prohibition in verse 29. And God said, "...behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is in, on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food." And it was so, and God saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God gives this prohibition later in chapter 2 that they were to have freedom to rule and to reign and to eat and to partake of everything except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For it's not just creation that Scripture opens its doors to the story of, because shortly thereafter, there's a fall. We don't come on our own in 2023 as holy and righteous before the Lord God. For a fall took place. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, tempted by the serpent in chapter 3, the serpent who was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made tempted Eve, and Adam and Eve both partook of the fruit that was forbidden. They were given it all, save one thing. They were given dominion to rule and to reign as God's vice regents, as God's representatives on earth. They had perfect communion. Walking with him in the stillness of the morning. And yet, the fall of sin happened, separating a holy God from a sinful people. Sin enters into the world, and God provides not blessings but curses. Curses to the livestock. Curses to the earth. Curses to the serpent. Saying in Genesis 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. A promise in the midst of being cursed god gives the man and woman a promise that one would come to crush the head of the serpent and so even amidst the creation even amidst the fall god provides his grace in a promise in a covenant and when god Covenants with his people, He keeps it. It's so creation and fall, creation and fall. But a covenant comes. In Genesis 3:15, God makes this promise, but that doesn't remove the consequences of the fall. Remember, Genesis chapter four, Cain murders his brother Abel. Blood is shed, and it doesn't get any better. It gets worse for Genesis 5 and Genesis 6 reaches this culmination where the fall of man is such that, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, God thinks about his creation in this way. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And, verse 6, The Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. We could unpack that theological weight Over 50 sermons. But praise be to God, verse 8, someone finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, verse 9 picks up, was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God what Adam and Eve had in the garden and should have had for all eternity, Noah, once again, walks in communion with God. Noah represents God who formed him to follow him by faith, to glorify him by rightly imaging him in the world. Noah finds favor in the Lord. And we look to God in the same way, but not through Noah. For Noah sins, and sin continues after Noah. But we look to Jesus, the one who finds favor to the point that he offered up himself. And when he offered up his body there on the cross, it was a pleasant aroma to the Father. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that his sacrifice was accepted. And need we doubt? Because surely we will. Surely we would doubt. No, maybe it just. Friend, if we have any doubt of the sacrificial acceptance of Jesus on our behalf, look to the resurrection. Look to Christ rising from the dead. We look to him, for he finds favor in the eyes of God. It's his sacrifice and his alone that we cling to. And yet, in the midst of creation and fall and this covenant, there continues to be this judgment, this flood that God puts on all of humanity a global flood rain from the heavens and water from the earth. But even in the midst of this sin, God makes a covenant with this Noah who finds favor in his eyes. God makes the covenant saying that He will never again flood the earth in such a way. This creation or this Noahic covenant makes way for the continued covenants of God. But in this continued flip between fall and covenant, it seems as though the fall and sin Reigns. For in Genesis chapter 11, just after the ark had finally been situated, as the floodwaters recede, sin continues to reign to the point where the created man in pride seeks to make a name for themselves by building a tower that would reach to the heavens. Sin reigns and God's authority prevails in causing these tongues to be put over them so that they could not accomplish these things. And then in Genesis chapter 12, we see a new, a new actor, a new person in Genesis. Look with me at Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go, go. From your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. God continues His covenant making. What an amazing reality that upon the fall of sin, God removes Adam and Eve from the garden, and yet He still pursues His people. Pursuing them through Noah. Pursuing them through Noah's sons. Pursuing pursuing them through Abram. And later through Isaac and Jacob to Judah? Why would he do such a thing? Why would he do such a thing? For God in himself needs nothing. He didn't need to create us in the first place. We don't believe, your pastor at least does not believe, that God, well, he just had a missing human-shaped hole in his heart. So he made us. We are not that significant in and of ourselves. We are not significant at all. It's only because of the significance bestowed on us by our creator that we ought to find any significance. It's Him. It's Him in His love, the Father, Son, and Spirit created out of nothing and it is in his love that he continues to pursue even upon the fall of sin through Noah and through Abram later to be called Abraham and this covenant that he makes with Abraham is to make him a a mighty people as numerous as the stars to give them a land to give them a place where they would dwell, to give them power and authority. The kings and nations would come from his lineage. Friends, what's he doing? He's giving back the keys that were ours at creation. And the sad thing is, is like a child with the keys to a Lamborghini, we always squander it. So we don't just need a covenant with Abraham. We don't just need the continuation through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah. We need someone to hold the keys for us. We need that promised one who will come and crush The serpent's head. We need a better representative. But God makes His covenant with Abraham. And through the remaining 38 chapters of Genesis, we see the unfolding of God giving to him and to his offspring a place. By making Him a people through the offspring of Isaac and Isaac's offspring of Jacob and Jacob's offspring down to Joseph and Judah. And all throughout, He's giving them authority and power to rule and reign and have dominion of this creation. That finally, those who were formed by Him to follow Him by faith would glorify Him rightly by imaging Him in the world. And as we've already summarized in things that the Lord has taught us through this study, we are reminded it doesn't really go so well. Because the lineage of Abraham is continuing in the sinful pattern of Adam and Eve. Judah, the one whom our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes through in what we would all hope would be a whitewashing of Genesis 38 is thrust onto the scene as one like us, afflicted by sin. Jacob, a coward at times, Isaac, a coward at times. Abraham, a coward at times. God's grace continues in his covenant keeping. Remember that point in the Genesis story where Abraham is still, he and Sarah are without child. And God causes this darkness to come over Him. And God Himself is the one who says, May it be like the body parts of these animals if I don't keep my covenant. Friends, God is a covenant-making God, but He is a covenant-keeping God. In that he's kept it throughout Genesis and will and has kept it in his son. He realizes that in our humanity, we cannot keep this covenant. We cannot get ourselves back to him. We cannot get ourselves back to this Edenic state. All of this, um, all of this kind of um, just this valley, this garden state, our pursuit of it, though it might look good with all of the fancy veneer of a new home, it won't ultimately get us where we want to be. And that ought to be with Him, the One who created us, the One in whom He has placed His grace on us in Christ. So we see this creation, we see the fall, we see this covenant, and we see its continuation. But I wonder, have you ever thought about what happened before creation? Have you ever thought about what happened before creation? For perhaps when you turn to Genesis 3, you think, wow, God really messed that up, letting His creation sin against Him in such a way. All right, now He's got to come up with a plan. Genesis 3 15. The plan for the offspring to come instituted after creation. No, 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 no. Friends, this is the promise. of God from before the foundation of the world was made. Remember, Genesis has reminded us that this God is the creator of everything. That these things that He has decreed, He will bring them about. There's nothing that takes Him off guard. There's nothing that comes out of the ordinary to Him. For Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Even as He... Chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God's plan to redeem His people through Himself in the person of Jesus Christ was not plan B. It was not after the fall. It was from before the beginning. Holy mackerel. What a great and awesome God we serve. Who knew even before our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, that they would. And he provided a substitute, a sacrifice for them in Jesus. Let this just blow up your timeline of Genesis completely. If Genesis starts here, God's plan of salvation starts here and it goes all the way through eternity. Why? Because God is eternal. That is a theological principle that we must understand. God was not made. He is not material. He was not born. He has forever preexisted. He has revealed Himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And at this beginning, it wasn't just one or two, it was all of them. This Son who would come and save all of creation, who would perfectly image His Father, was active in creation. He wasn't passive. He wasn't uh, on a vacation until his time came. No. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, for by him, Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Friends, this is the message. God's covenant keeping continues from. Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15 through this messy family rooted and centered on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it continues through the offspring of Judah, one who would be the king. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, in whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Praise be to God that before the foundations of the world, His plan of salvation was already there. And it was perfect because He was covenanting Himself. Jesus shows us what it looks like to glorify God by rightly imaging Him in the world. Jesus shows us what it looks like to glorify Him by rightly imaging Him in the world. See, God's design is for His people throughout Genesis and throughout all time to follow Him by faith. That we, the ones whom He created out of the dust, Formed by him, would follow him by faith. Our forefathers recognized this. It's not new. It's not just after Jesus that salvation is by faith alone. For Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as inheritance. Then it continues, talking about Sarah, saying these all died in faith. Verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11, "...by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son." Verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of the staff. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his Bones. Friends, what God designed and desired in creation, in bestowing his image on his creatures, was that we, those who were formed by him, would follow him by faith, glorifying him by rightly imaging him in the world. And friends, how do we do that? By looking to Jesus. By placing our faith in Him and Him alone. Recognizing, I can't keep this covenant. Only Jesus can. So friends, will we turn as the Apostle Paul does in Romans chapter 4 and 5 and say things similar to Adam caused all of the calamity that we see Yet, it is Christ who comes and brings salvation. We can have peace with God through faith. In Jesus, His only Son, who lived that perfect life, who died a sinless death on the cross and in whom His blood purifies all of our sins. So how do we rightly image God in the world? It's by clinging to Jesus. By clinging to Jesus. By having faith in Him. That He is the only way to God the Father. It's only Jesus who images God perfectly. What an amazing book. And this is just the beginning. But from before the beginning, God was working out His plan of salvation centered in His Son, Jesus. May we long for Him. May we yearn for Him. May we continually conform our minds and our actions to that of Christ. You see, that requires getting to know Him. That requires studying what He's like. That requires knowing what He commands. You may say, that seems kind of legalistic. If you love Him, you will keep His commands. Getting to know Him requires spending time with Him. Seeing how He operates and finding that with more time and more confession and more repentance when we miss the mark, because, beloved, we do. We miss it every day. But finding ourselves clinging to the feet of Jesus and the promise of the cross and the resurrection and finding our sins forgiven, that as we continually do this day after day, repenting, confessing, and clinging to the feet of Jesus, that we find ourselves being more like Him. There is no other way. There is no other way than Jesus. Friends, we have been created but we find ourselves in a fallen state. Seemingly swallowed up by sin, but God has made His covenant, and He continues it today. I want to close with this encouragement, and I want to be mindful that this is not what the text is saying. This is an application of this text from something that occurred over this week. Does that make sense? I Meaning, this is not prescriptive. This will be all the time. But when you think about the progression of the Book of Genesis, Genesis one one, the earth was formless and it was void, and He created, and it was formed, and it was filled. To where towards the end of Genesis, they're not just void and formless, they're a people in a place with power and authority. And in some ways, it reminded me of the work that the Lord does in each and every one of our lives. The reminders of we were blind and now we see. Peter says, once we were not a people, but now we are a people. A chosen possession, a royal priesthood formed and being filled. And I found great encouragement in the work that he's doing in and through our church. We may look around and say, man, I'd really like these pews to be more full. Amen. Preach. But we should take great comfort that the One who spoke everything out of nothing is also continuing His promise that He will build His church and not even the kingdom of hell will prevail. He will bring His people into our church by God's grace. And if He doesn't, He is building up His church, the capital C Church. And may we pray that He uses us, that He fills us, that our church would be fruitful and multiply, that we would continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the One who was covenanted from the beginning. For Before the foundation, of the world this is good news from before the beginning until the very end